Good morning. My name is Paul Dubuque. Uh, I know some of you um, love to know more. Uh, we're reading today the passage from this morning's sermon. It's from Colossians 2, chapters, uh, verses 6 through 8. So then, just as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow, deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. Amen. Amen. So there's a certain type of article that always catches my eye. I find that whenever I find this type of thing on the internet or on a website, I can't help myself. It's articles titled something like this, 30 Amazing Cheap Products That Will Change Your Life. Okay, you see these on BuzzFeed all the time. And these lists are filled with all kinds of things that you can get on Amazon for, you know, $12, $3, $20. Things like no-tie shoelaces, okay, turn any pair of shoes into comfy, perfect-fitting slip-ons. The tagline is, banish those gross, hazardous, dangling shoelaces forever. Okay. The tub shroom. Anyone got the tub shroom? Okay. Two or three people. Two or three changed lives in the room. This is a magical bathtub drain protector that catches all of your hair, making it a breeze to clean. Not disgusting at all. And then there's the stainless steel tongue scraper. Clean your tongue. Say goodbye to bad breath. Double your salary. <laughs> the oral hygiene gadget that you never knew you needed. Now, every time I read these things, I'm like, okay, shoot, yeah, I, I think I do need that. I'm starting to throw things in my Amazon cart. Let future Jacob worry about that. And the only thing that I was thinking about recently as I read one of these lists was like, do I actually need any of this stuff? Will this actually change my life? Does anyone actually think that shoelaces are such an issue that they're hazardous and gross? Is my drain so clogged up with hair that the water won't go down? Oh, maybe. I don't remember the last time I had a drain problem. And, and like a metal tongue scraper, do I, you know, I, I don't know. Seems okay. Tongue seems okay. And the final description of the tongue scraper really reveals something. It shows us something. It says, the oral hygiene gadget you never knew you needed. I didn't know that I needed it, apparently, but I do. I didn't know that it existed, but now that I know, I know that I need it, and now I know what I never knew. Now, not all advertising does this. Many ads do exist, however, to make us feel like we're missing out. It highlights and capitalizes on our dissatisfaction, our ingratitude, our perceived sense of lacking. It makes us focus on what we don't have. My name is Jacob Beach. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. And this morning, I want to talk about gratitude. I want to talk about being thankful, about thanksgiving. Next week, we'll begin our Advent and Christmas 
focused gatherings, but today, as we're four days away from American Thanksgiving, let's talk about thankfulness. The Bible is filled with calls and commands and invitations and encouragements to be thankful. Psalm 100 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Isaiah 51, joy will be restored to her, thanksgiving in the sound of music. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, give thanks in all circumstances. Ephesians 5, always give thanks to God the Father for everything. Colossians 3, let the peace of Christ rule in you and be thankful. And of course, our passage today says, overflow with thankfulness. And we ourselves, of course, we naturally enjoy being on the receiving end of thankfulness. When we give a gift or help someone, it's a social expectation that there will be some expression of appreciation. Receiving that thankfulness may not, it may not be the motivation of why we do something, why we serve or give something to someone, but when we don't have it, when we don't receive that thanksgiving, we notice it. You know, if I let you into traffic, you better give me that hand wave. I need that hand wave. Thankfulness is an expression of understanding. When we express our gratitude and thankfulness, it reveals that we truly recognize and appreciate the significance of what has been done for us. As Christians, we are people who have been brought into relationship with the infinite God, a perfectly good and loving Father, the creator of all things who rules over us. And it's not by our merits, but by the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ this unparalleled position of honor that has been given to us freely by faith. Our redemption, our freedom is a gift undeserved, but Christ delivers it to us with pride and joy. And this life of faith, it's not only about justification, it's not only about our position, but we're also accepted into the family of faith and given true power. We're invited into a life of flourishing. We are welcomed in to experiencing a full and wonderful life here and now, today. The Holy Spirit lives within us. God's Spirit walks with us. It's present with us in every circumstance, in every feeling, every thought, emotion, and experience. And He wants us to flourish. He wants us to be blessed. He wants to take us to the next level, to taste and see his goodness. He wants us to know his love and care for us. Amen. And because of all this, Christians, we should be the most thankful people around. Our thanksgiving should be a song of worship. It should overflow, overflow both privately and publicly in our hearts and in our relationships, in our service to others. The passage this morning, verses... 6 and 7, it encourages the recipients in the church of Colossae and likewise ourselves, continue living your lives being rooted and built up in Christ, both strong and thankful. Thankfulness. There's a direct connection being made between faith and experience. We don't just believe these things, but we exist by them. We live them out. And thankfulness goes hand in hand with being a member of the family. The community of faith is commanded and called to be thankful. 
to overflow with thankfulness. So why then, because of all these things, why then am I so prone to ingratitude? Why does genuine thanksgiving seem so elusive to us at times? There are three things that I think significantly contribute to our ingratitude. These factors not only challenge our call to overflow with thankfulness, but they actively contribute to ingratitude. Three things. The first, ingratitude focuses on the good that we don't experience instead of the good that we do. You don't have to be a pessimist to dwell on the things that we don't have, right? A better job, more money, a family, nicer things. And wishing, right, Christmas season is around the corner, wishing or wanting isn't necessarily wrong, but by definition, you only wish for something that you don't already have or don't already experience. You cannot be thankful for something that you don't have. Now, I don't know if you guys are crazy like I am when it comes to this, but there's a specific feeling when you order something online, right? You, you pick it out, maybe you've wanted it for a long time, or maybe it's just something simple that you need to get, and then comes that waiting, that, that watching the package tracking, the anticipation of coming home and hoping that there's something on your front porch the anxiety of knowing that the package has been delivered, but you're not going to be home for another couple hours. Maybe a porch pirate's going to get it. <laughs> then I'm going to have to file a claim. It's going to take another two to three days to ship a second time. God, no. And maybe this is a bridge too far. But I sort of think that the waiting for the package is kind of the best part. It's anticipation, right? It's infinite possibilities. When I get this pen... I'm going to write so much. When I get that shirt, I'm going to be the best dressed person in the room again. <laughs> now, I know it sounds crazy, right? But I know someone in here hopefully agrees with me. And I won't even get into my theory that the best part of a vacation is actually the last day of work before it starts. Anything can happen on this vacation. It's that wishing, it's that wanting, that anticipation of what life is going to be like when something new enters the equation. It's not inherently wrong by any means, but it reveals something about our hearts. We anticipate the day that things are going to be new. They're going to be exciting. They're going to be different. When we get into that better place, when the kids grow up, when I'm finally making more money, that's when I know, I know when that happens, I'm going to be so thankful. I'm going to be so grateful for what I have then. Ingratitude is a focus on the things that we don't have. It's an acknowledgement that what I'm currently experiencing is not enough. Gratitude, on the other hand, requires us to move the focus of our hearts from the things that we don't have to the things that we do. It's an attitude of the heart that says, this is enough. Gratitude celebrates the blessings that we've received. Being consumed with blessings unreceived means that we cannot experience or express gratitude. The second factor that contributes to our ingratitude is that our society and culture cultivates ingratitude. 
there are few things that are more American than being dissatisfied with the place that we're at in life. So much advertising, like we discussed, persuades us that we must satisfy a need that we didn't even realize we had 30 seconds ago. The prayer of the thankful is, if only, if only, if only I had $50,000 and a team of HGTV contractors, then we could really make this house a home, right? One week flat. Our culture, it assumes that regular people should operate with a sense of discontentment. Now, that doesn't mean that we should sugarcoat our feelings about things, right? It doesn't mean that we should be dishonest. It's like nails on a chalkboard to me when someone says, I'm, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Because there's plenty of things that should stress you out. There's things that should dissatisfy us about living in this broken world. But that doesn't prevent us from experiencing and expressing thanksgiving. If the world is pulling us towards ingratitude, then it is right and healthy for us to be counter-cultural. The third thing, the third and final thing that contributes to our ingratitude is that ingratitude elevates our desire for created things over the desire for the creator. We are all humans, I assume. I've reached my strange theory limit for this sermon already, but as humans, we all have appetites and desires. We're born with them. We are made with them. It's not a surprise. And at the root, these desires are good things. God made them, a desire to belong, a desire to be in relationship with others, a desire for peace, a desire for comfort, security, a desire to enjoy things, to eat, to drink to laugh, to have fun. And our issue as people, and that's everyone, right? Not just the immature, not just the wild, not just the unwise. Our issue as people is that we take these good desires and we twist them, we worship them, we idolize them. Sex, alcohol, art, rest, passion, affirmation, love, social interaction, these are all things that are part of the human experience, not by accident, but problems arise when we make our life all about satisfying these appetites and desires, ways that are not going to lead us to the flourishing that God invites us to, that he wants us to experience. And there is something else that's very unique about humanity that's built into us. It's a desire to understand and engage with mystery. God gave us an appetite so unique that it has its own category. We desire to experience and understand. We desire, desire to see and savor the infinite and eternal. Ecclesiastes 3.11 puts it well. It says that he made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Ingratitude comes when we try to fulfill this desire for God with our broken, sinful desires, or even too much of a basic need. 
We may not even be conscious of it. It might be happening beneath the surface, but somewhere in our hearts we convince ourselves that whatever we think we lack, be it prosperity or pleasure or health, if we can just get a little bit more of it, if we can just own it or experience it, then we can finally be satisfied. Gratitude is elusive because we are easily tricked into thinking that a hunger for what is eternal can be satisfied with temporal things. And if you look at verse 8 of our passage this morning, immediately following the call and and invitation in verses 6 and 7, it's a warning. A warning. It's a warning against these factors. Don't be deceived. Don't be tricked into thinking that whether it be from focusing on what we don't have or whether it be from buying into the lie that's in the culture around us or whether it be believing that we can satisfy our desire for the infinite mystery of God with finite created things. Verse 8 says, it is hollow and deceptive philosophy. Don't buy the hollow and deceptive lie. Don't buy it. You know these chocolate bunnies that are around during Easter season? As a kid, uh, maybe you got one of those in an Easter basket or as a gift or bought it at Kroger or something, and, and the whole time you're thinking like, man, look at this bunny. It's huge, solid chocolate to the core. It's going to take me a week to eat this thing. And then you bite into it, and you know the truth. It's hollow. It's empty. It's chocolate-covered air. (laughs) And it's good, right? Believe me, that chocolate is still good. But it doesn't last. What's on the surface is all that there is. No depth, no core, no complexity. It doesn't last. Don't buy the lie. Don't buy the hollow and deceptive philosophy. It tells you that you're missing out. It tells you that you have nothing to be thankful for. Now, the encouragement here is not that we have to be thankful about everything, right? There are things that I'm not thankful for. Just last week, I was on my way to church, and there was a road race happening close to downtown near where we live. The hot chocolate run. Anyone in the hot chocolate run? But don't raise your hand, Ashley. No, I'm kidding. It's okay. Praise God, right? People running together, challenging themselves, being active. I'm just trying to get on the highway. I'm trying to get to church, and it appears that 315 is blocked. That's okay. Going to worship the Lord. It's all good. I can just get on 670. It's just down the way. So I head to 670. That intersection's blocked. No worries. Headed to be with God's people. We're okay. And before I know it, I'm being directed by police officers down the only available open roadway. And I think it's like 100 yards from the finish line because there are 1,000 blocked-in cars, people running all over the place. It's chaos. And I realize that I'm never going to leave downtown. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Mm. The call here is not to fake Thanksgiving. It's not a call to to look at frustrating, uh, 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 annoying, or even 
truly painful situations and call them good and thank God for them. The call is to cultivate a true sense of gratitude before God, before yourself, and before others. The encouragement is to be thankful for what God has done for us by finding satisfaction in the things that are not of this world. And for that, we need new eyes. We need new hearts to recognize the blessing that he has actually given to us instead of focusing on our lack. Because there will always be more that we could have had. There always will be more that could have happened. If only, if only, if only. That attitude cannot truly be thankful, and it causes us to completely miss out on what God has done for us. So what do we do? How do we develop an attitude and a lifestyle that conveys gratitude with regularity? I want to make Thanksgiving a regular part of my life. So three thoughts on cultivating Thanksgiving in our hearts. Three things. First, we have to raise our awareness of ingratitude. Each of us are sensitized and desensitized to different things. Right? My parents and a lot of their friends were bikers growing up. So things like tattoos, long hair, beards, piercings, certain words, those things don't bother me as much as others, perhaps. I'm comfortable around it. And it wasn't my whole childhood or anything, but that experience that I have, it's, it's not a statement of right or wrong. It just means that I have, I, I'm prone to noticing certain things, and I'm also prone to considering other things as normal. And so much of what we experience or grow up with affects the way that we look or act or feel today. I mean, look at me, I guess. So when it comes to ingratitude, some of us may be more aware of it, and some of us may not. But we would all do well to be mindful of it. We have to ask ourselves in the moment, is this something that I should truly be up in arms about? Is this something that I should be complaining about or focusing on unnecessarily? Is God perhaps revealing something to me here and I'm missing out on it because of my attitude? Awareness isn't everything, but it helps us begin to deal with the root. We can't engage with something if we don't know that it's there. This is an encouragement to get to know yourself more, to ask yourself why you may be feeling something, why you may react to certain things. And we become more aware, when we become more aware of the ungratefulness that enters in, we can then oppose it differently. We have to become more aware of the ungratefulness. Second, we need to cultivate our contentment in Christ. If Jesus is the ultimate key to human flourishing, then he must be the perfect cause and source of our satisfaction. In Psalm 1611, King David declares this truth when he says that you lead me to the path of life. I experience absolute joy in your presence. You give me sheer 
delight. And not unlike going to the gym or running with regularity, when we spend time with Jesus, it builds contentment in our heart. When we work that muscle, it begins to grow stronger. By preaching the gospel to ourselves and to those around us, by meditating on the word and with God in prayer, by gathering and singing and serving together, when we open ourselves to the divine fountain, we are refreshed with living water. We are encouraged to drink. God invites us to taste and see his goodness by experiencing the transformational power of the Spirit that lives within us and walks among us, His goodness will lead us to gratitude. When we contemplate the mysteries of God, when we consider the beautiful story of the gospel, when we stand at the door and knock, we find rest and peace and safety and contentment. I was having a conversation with a friend this past week and we were talking about temptation. And it was during this interaction that I realized something about faith and temptation. It wasn't profound. In fact, it might only be common sense, but it felt like the Lord was revealing something very ordinary to me for the first time. And it's this. I'm never tempted by something that I don't truly want or think that I need. That's it. It's a question of value, but it feels like a miraculous truth. It felt like this significant moment because I realized that God doesn't merely say to me, don't do all these things that you want to do, don't enjoy things that are bad, but rather he's actually offering me something that's better, right? I would never be tempted to trade a $100 bill for somebody's $1 bill. And that's because I understand the inherent value. God is actually offering us something of great value. And when I don't cultivate that contentment in Christ, I am very simply going to find the hollow and deceptive philosophies very, very compelling. They're going to intrigue me. I'm going to believe in them. I'm going to be tempted to live by them. But the more that I cultivate that contentment, the more gratitude that I experience and express for what God has done and is doing in my life, I'm going to be significantly less tempted to do things that are not leading me to flourish. The more that I work that muscle, the more that I prepare to move towards God's flourishing goodness for me, the further away from the things I'm going to move that only make me more thirsty. Our contentment in Christ must be cultivated. And third and finally... To cultivate gratitude in our hearts, we must replace ingratitude with thanksgiving. If we understand that gratitude and thanksgiving are things that only happen on the outside, if they're only a thin layer of skin that doesn't protect us, then we'll completely miss that gratitude grows from the inside out. Similar to a plant, ingratitude grows when we feed it, and it shrivels when we don't. When we encounter ungrateful thoughts and attitudes within us, we must combat them with true thankfulness. This is why awareness is not sufficient. We have to act. We have to be 
diligent by the power of the Spirit to engage our ingratitude. Sure, our Honda Accord you know, isn't in the best shape. It's not the nicest car, but it lasted us for 13 long years. No, my body doesn't look like it used to, but I'm still breathing, still waking up in the morning. My job is ending, but it was a good experience, and it kept the rent paid and food on the table for three years. And it isn't just the material things that we should be thankful for. Thankfulness runs deeper than that. It's, if it's material things and circumstances that are the basis of our thankfulness, then it will fade. Most days I feel like a failure, like my life didn't turn out the way that I wanted, but my heavenly father calls me his daughter, his son. He loves me enough that he gave himself that I could be part of the family of faith. I'm not experiencing happiness or satisfaction with my relationships, but I know for a fact that Jesus is present with me in my disappointment. He walks with me. He promises to love me no matter my situation. He always listens. He always cares. I know that the pain that I'm feeling is real. I've been hurt. I don't have enough motivation to do what I know I should. I need to be reminded that the Holy Spirit is real and he lives within me. He draws me back to the fountain. He supports me. He pushes me to go back home to experience the love and belonging of a community, of a family, of a father. We have to strive for thankfulness. We have to participate with the Spirit of God to replace our ungratefulness with thankfulness. We have to cultivate Gratitude, it's hard, it takes time, it doesn't happen overnight. And as we end, I want to say this. Don't let yourself believe that in your pain, in your frustration, in your difficult situation, that you have to pretend that everything's okay, that you have to put on a fake smile and say that everything is great. I'm thankful for everything in my life. God wants us to be honest. The community of faith wants your honesty. And don't be tempted either to think that you are forgotten, diminished, small, that God doesn't love you, that he doesn't care for you or see you. Your circumstances don't define who you are. But if ungratitude, if ungratefulness is all that you know and feel, then let this message be one of gracious caution. Ingratitude is a red flag in our lives. It's an indication that we are not seeing and experiencing God as he truly wants us to experience him. God desperately desires to lead us to peace and mercy and belonging, joy, life, flourishing. If the truth of what Christ's death and resurrection means burns brightly in the core of our being, then we will be grateful. Failure to understand God's great love for us and to dwell on it will only bring us dissatisfaction. A thankful heart is one that understands that God has given us life. He blesses us in ways that we don't expect or even look for sometimes. Don't walk out of here this morning thinking that you just need to be more thankful. Walk out of here with a renewed desire to engage with God, to cultivate your experience with Christ, to participate 
and what the Spirit is already doing within you. And Thanksgiving week is a great time to start. When we are with God, we are thankful. When we see God, we are grateful. Thankfulness is the amazing product you never knew you needed because it is produced by the giver of life. Let's pray. Father, this morning we thank you for the opportunity to gather together. We thank you for everything that you've done for us, all the wonderful ways that you've blessed us, that you've cared for us, that you love us, that you gave yourself for us. Lord, we ask as we go from here, this Thanksgiving week, Lord, that you would make yourself known to us in such a way that we are able to be thankful, that we're able to be grateful, that we're able to know and understand who you are to us. We ask all these things in your son's name. Amen.